What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of Blowing the Doors Off podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Morse. Uh, Andrew Sherwin, my co-host, what's going on, dude? i tell you what, when we first got started, it was like four, episode five, six, and then now it's 19. It's like, okay, there's like a, there's a little catalog uh, of, uh, of us talking stupid. Uh, out there for the masses to consume. Well, I love I love coming on here and talking. It's becoming quite a thing. It, you know, at first, you know, I wasn't exactly sure, or, or the both of us weren't exactly sure how we wanted to for all this to play out. What segments we were gonna have, what we were gonna talk. I mean, obviously, we're gonna talk about NASCAR, but you can only cover so much of it. And us throwing in rednecking and you know all that NASCAR history. I'm actually really starting to dig this NASCAR history segment because I've been trying to. I mean, there was two on there that really stuck out this week, but diving deep into that wormhole of, I mean, there's so many things that you can find in NASCAR history. It's kind of fun to to mess with it a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, it's great because, I mean, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up at some time we'll get into it, but I've I've read, actually read several books about the history of NASCAR or some science-y thing related to NASCAR. I might have to try to find like an audio version of one of those books. You might have to give me some uh, suggestions. I love uh, listening to the audio books when I'm at work. Yeah, I would bet that you could probably get in audio form the um, the physics of NASCAR. Um, that was one written by a mechanical engineering professor at Texas A&M, and she really approached it from the I know nerds are going to be following a mechanical engineering professor but then there's this whole racing community aspect to it too so it it ended up being a thing where I had already done enough of my own studying to understand the physics behind what's happening with a race car what wedge means and this that and the other of course a lot of that stuff doesn't really apply today anymore but for 96 or 97 I think I read it in 97 or 98 uh no I mean sorry 07 or 08 <laughs> and it was written in 06 um so you know you have to sort of keep that in mind when you're talking about science because science is uh, an ever-evolving uh discipline definitely i know you're you're a big comedy guy uh like my like myself i know we watched several specials and stuff whenever you came to the races and stuff but uh uh i've recently like really got into the comedy podcast game listening to some of those that are out there and there are some good ones out there like two bears one cave uh, <laughs> have you have you listened to the one called fly on the wall i don't know but i don't know that i've ever missed uh, two bears in one cave well I'm, I'm i'm new to that one but um there's a new show out with david spade and uh dana carvey uh, fly on the wall. I've, I've heard about it because Spade just recently guest hosted instead of Bert while he was filming that uh, the Machine movie. But it is pretty good, and, and they get a lot into a lot of like talking about the old uh, Saturday Night Live days. That's like kind of the guest that they're having on is the old Saturday Night Live, you know, talking about what happened and the people's careers or whoever they had on. And I, I get up there are people at work probably think I'm nuts. I'm up in the lift, you know, 20 foot up there. Nobody can even see me and they can probably just hear me laughing because <laughs> I just get the giggles like uh, on the Two Bears, One Cave. Ron White was on there this week. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good one, too. Already listened. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That is appointment listening for me. And 
you know, I, I don't get near as much time as I used to. I used to be all over the map with comedians and podcasts, but um, now I pick and choose uh, Rogan's when I want to. Um, I always listen to Two Bears, One Cave, and uh, I follow two of the podcasts that come out of the well-read comedy bunch. That's awesome. I can remember, uh, you know, kind of bringing old days up for you, you know, PTM, you guys we used to have some of them on. Yeah. Well, we had two of the three guys from well-read, and uh, I guess you could say three of the four, but really the, f- the fourth guy is kind of, uh, he's kind of an adjunct member, so to speak. He doesn't travel with the well-read comedy tour, but he shows up all over the place. He was the one that cho- told the chicken fishing story. Or... <laughs> yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember that pretty well. <laughs> so yeah, we, well, I, Rusty and I both love comedy too. And I mean, I, I, Bill Burr's podcast, I listened to that for years. Same. Um, I, Joe DeRosa's was actually the first like comedian podcast that I really listened to with any sort of regularity. But then that that dude is dark, man. I, I just I got it, it was depressing, you know. Sometimes I'd like go for a walk and go. I I want to listen to something a little bit more upbeat. I want to laugh, just like you said. Like right. I want to be the guy that somebody's like, why is that dude laughing? He's got his earbuds. Okay, he's listening to something, but what is it? <laughs> right. You ever you ever seen the videos on social media where it's like the, the people just ask random people like walking on the streets like what are you listening to or or whatever. I always find those funny cuz it's you got some big burly man or whatever and he's listening to Britney Spears or something, you know. It's kind of funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I listened religiously listened to Eliza Schlesinger's podcast for a while. Uh, I just, I had so much time on my hands. I couldn't get enough podcasts and I was listening to two and a half hours of rate, like AM radio on an app that I have for local here to Atlanta. I mean, I was listening to, I just, I didn't read except for, you know, internet to do. Actually, I read probably more. If you take work out of it, I read more uh, to prepare for uh, doing a NASCAR podcast than I <laughs> and I did anything else. I didn't I didn't read other stuff really all that much at all. I mean I like I said I read some books, um, you know that that certainly I could recommend uh, anybody that's got an engineering brain or just loves you know tinkering with stuff and make work with what you got. You know just do do whatever you can with what you have. You got to read about Smokey Eunuch. Mm-hmm. That guy, I mean, he invented all he invented how to cheat. And NASCAR, <laughs> right. like, and, and in order to sort of put a stop to it, NASCAR hired the uh, best cheater in the garage as their policeman. So, in the early nineties, <laughs> a lot of that cheating stuff kind of got, you know, it got curtailed a little bit until guys like Rain Evernham showed up, and they had a whole new way of reading the rule book. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it's funny you say that. You know, we're talking about podcasts. Obviously, we're going to talk about NASCAR. You know. A lot of people have the took the week off. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of the shows this week. They're on vacation with a lot of the, you know, the teams and everybody. They're it's their week off, so they're probably taking full advantage of it. Uh, and, and we apologize for not having a show last week. Stuff happens. It's gonna happen. It probably happened again at some other point. Uh, but for this week, you know, we might be one of the only NASCAR shows to put something out. So we've uh, we've definitely put a, a hell of a show together for. Uh, for you guys so hopefully you uh stick in and listen to the whole thing because it's going to be pretty good let's hit it (laughs) let's hit it uh the clash to return to the la coliseum in uh 2023 i think it's a home run i think that you just need to keep doing it really 
Yeah, I think um, at this point, it's like, okay, we had a completely unknown quantity, and now we have a known quantity, and that known quantity was a success. Uh, a lot of that has to do with it being a first-time event, a very first-of-a-kind as we stay in some of the uh, engineering worlds that I've lived in, uh, a folk, if you will, first-of-a-kind. And you can still draw on the excitement of that, um, and but with all the knowns of they know how to build the track now, they know you know, how to manage in and out for, for, uh, for fans and stuff. It just, there's a lot of knowns. And now they know what not to do in terms of staging the cars and the parking lots and how they're going to do that. There's just, there's a lot of reasons that if this is the idea that we would do some kind of stadium mini tour, not even a tour, but I mean, a tour of the teams, but a one single event that you would, you would, draw upon what you already know and a venue that's already been accepting to uh, this big of a change from what, you know, what mainstream LA Coliseum has been for since the Olympics, it's been USC stadium, <laughs> uh, the Raiders a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you said the word change in there. Is there anything you think they could change or cr critique on having gone there once and changing, do you think there's anything that they really change? I mean, could they even possibly change the track a little bit? Uh, my guess is they probably could. Uh, although when you're pouring new asphalt every every time, that presents challenges and opportunity at the same time. If it was me, I would be using that time as research for Goodyear and whatever asphalt company you're choosing to contract and say, we know what's worked at big tracks that have to last for a long time. We know that some of the smaller tracks we've had to put concrete in because of the stress load, you know, on the surface itself. Is there something else we can do? Can we try a different substrate of pavement, you know, that tiny pea gravel as opposed to the number, whatever it is, number nine crush and run type gravel that, that's used in regular asphalt on city streets? Just any or and whatever the ad adhesion compound is, is there anything they can do that would that we could learn going forward that might help a Wilkesboro or who knows wherever else? Does does this uh, event make it? You know, we we were going to talk bucket list races last week. That was one of the things that we wanted to talk about. Does this make it on your list, LA? No, I'm with you. I'm not much of a California person personally. I've never been to California. Um, I mean, you know, you, we'll get into the Sonoma stuff here coming up, but did you hear about all these people getting robbed over the, the race weekend in Sonoma, the spotters by the airport? Yep. That is some wild stuff going on there. They even had, somebody had, uh, you know, the air tags in their, one of their bags and they're like showing the cops, Hey, this is where the guy's at. You know, he just took all of our shit and they didn't even hardly like do Well, he'll come back cause he's going to get more people. It's like, dang, y'all getting pretty uh, ballsy over. <laughs> well, it, and that's what happens when um, when there's a, an environment that fosters that behavior. And I don't mean fosters it as in welcomes it, but fosters it in terms of not not really doing what you need to do to discourage it from happening. Yeah, that's it's pretty wild, but um, I don't think it really makes uh, makes it on my list either. You know, we want to put a. a, a pretty big show together tonight and have a lot of stuff to talk about let's go ahead and make quick talk of it bucket list give me three three your top three tracks that you want on your bucket list 
Three. Three. Um, well, this is going to be a pretty significant change with the additions that have come to NASCAR in just the last three years. But, uh, I mean, as far as oval goes, it always has been Pocono. Um, but uh, in terms of just three tracks that are the currently occupy the top three positions in my bucket list um, are Coda, Watkins Glen, and Road America. So you're definitely wanting to check the road courses out. <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never seen one in person, not any shape, way, or form. I got to to see it last year for the inaugural uh, race there, Indy, uh, on the road course, and uh, I can see where the hype is. It was very very entertaining to watch. You'd have asked me that ten years ago, I would been like, "You're freaking crazy! I don't want to watch that shit," you know. But now it's like like you said before, it's the new short track. Uh, but for, for me, um, there's some obvious ones in there because like we've talked, talked before, you know, just travel, travel means, um, I'd say number one for me is Darlington. Uh, two is Daytona and three, I'm with you on the, on the road America thing. I definitely would love to check that out. Speaking of that, um, have you seen any news on that here lately? Um, they're thinking about, or I don't know if it's getting leaked or what, but, uh, this whole Chicago street course thing coming out, um, and, uh, road America doesn't have anything inked in for next year. So I don't know if that's what they're thinking of putting the street course over road America, but I think if they do that, that's a huge thumbs down, two thumbs down for me. Yeah, I don't know. And, and what do you do, um, when that, that market, I, I would not say that is saturated for NASCAR, but Based on the history of the sport, it's it's as good as it's ever been now that we have all three series, at, or at least we have Xfinity and Cup at Road America. We had Gateway. Um, you know, we've still got Indy, and and then you got Michigan. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I always thought that, that this was probably where they would go to do a street course would be Chicago because of it being such a global city. Um, as opposed to Nashville, that that would be na- very NASCAR to run a street course in Nashville. What we, the Nashville thing is already kind of playing itself out. Uh, you know, the stepping stone of the Super Speedway to, I think, almost just about everybody believes that the fairgrounds is is next up in this evolution of Nashville and NASCAR. But I, I don't know if golly, I don't man taking it from Road America. You're talking about. You know, we talk, we've talked about it before. It's sold out. I mean, I've seen some people talking about tickets on Twitter. Um, but from what I looked up, um, very limited on stuff. Like, obviously, when I looked into it, I wanted to camp there. Uh, camping was sold out a long time ago. But I think there is very few tickets there. But I, I believe it probably will sell out. I don't know if that was like a, a black market type thing or a secondary type of deal. But as far as I know, that race is pretty much sold out. Yeah, well, and and that that's going to have to take some precedence when NASCAR starts weighing their options on on how they move these assets around. And you know, obviously, a street course is not going to be owned by any of the track operators that we have in NASCAR now. So it's got to be, you know, it'll be a promotional deal like Texas over at Coda. Um, one thing I wanted to say before we get past all this is. Because uh, there are probably going to be some people who don't know who I am, and there are going to be some people who don't know who you are and don't know what our 
history in terms of going to races is. Um, the reason why those road courses are at the top of my bucket list is because, you know, I've already been to the Bristol night race like 10 times. I've, right. I've been to Atlanta 20 times. I've been in Darlington almost 10 times. And I've been to Charlotte once. That was enough. I went to Martinsville. Would love to go back, but I've been there. You know, I've been to Talladega. I've been to Daytona. I've been to Phoenix. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a, a pretty good footprint of what NASCAR does on an oval. So that's why I'm intrigued by the road course stuff. Right. No, I, I get it. And, and I've done all of those things pretty much, I think, except for the Darlington. And uh, I didn't want to bring this up too yet, but I, um, I'm, I'm trying to come to Atlanta this, this coming up. Uh-oh. Uh, we're talking about taking a week vacation um, for the summer before Bubby goes back to school and all that. And, and I mentioned, I said, but, well, how about Georgia? You know, because my grandpa lives down there. And uh, I said, we can go. My mom can go. My mom can take little man for the day, and we can go to Atlanta. I, I mean, that's a – I wouldn't say it's a bucket list track, but you always want to check those boxes that you haven't checked before. And with Atlanta being what it is now, I highly – you know, got my ears perked up. I want to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, I applied for media credentials. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to get another one. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. And I, I've actually got a wedding that Saturday, but you know, uh, it used to be, that would be, that would squash anything for an entire weekend, but you know, it's in downtown Atlanta, which is, you know, a little bit over an hour from where we live and neither one of us drink. So, you know, going to a wedding on a Saturday night does not preclude us being able to go to a race on Sunday afternoon. Right. I, I'm down. I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I want to check it out. Um, a little bit of news that's uh, pretty shocking, and I don't really know how to take it quite yet, but, you know, Boyer wasn't in the booth um, for Sonoma. Nobody knew really why, and then it comes out. Uh, that he was involved in a, a fatal crash there at uh, his place at the lo uh, Lake of Ozarks or Ozark Lake or however you want to say it. Lake of Ozarks is a region that's like, uh, it's it's really a river. It's kind of like the Tennessee River. Like it's a big ass wide river, so it gets treated like a lake. Right. But uh, apparently he was involved with the crash. The woman died. Uh, they breathalyzed him, blood, everything, I think, pretty much. Uh, he came up clean. Apparently she did not. Uh, they found some uh, methamphetamine in in or around her vehicle or however that worked. But uh, that's I mean just crazy news. When I saw it pop up, I like immediately text you. I was like, "Have you seen this yet? This is some wild stuff." Yeah, man. That's uh, there's there's no there's no words to describe. Uh, you know how awful the whole situation is. I mean. It's very easy to pick sides. There's no reason to pick a side. You know, I can say from personal experience and just the way I feel about things now, uh, I was very happy uh, for Clint's sake that that he had not been drinking. Yes, um, absolutely. That's that's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, it, hopefully his his whole toxicology report is not going to result in some kind of you know lingering. Uh, charge, you know, it, it doesn't mean he didn't make a mistake with his vehicle, but it sounds like perhaps the pedestrian was uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe not doing what they were supposed to be doing, which doesn't mean they deserve to die, but 
Right. You know, in situations where you put yourself at risk, it's certainly a potential. It's it's definitely wild, and and you know my thoughts go out to even her family, even if it was she was involved in meth or whatever. You know, people got ghosts, but like you said, they don't deserve to die. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's let's probably clear that one because that's a, a pretty wild topic. But uh, Kevin Mendering to serve in for Cliff Daniels. We'll get into that a little more when we talk about the racist Sonoma, but obviously uh, for race suspension for Cliff Daniels, it looks like they got a pretty good replacement for him. So hopefully it it pans out for him. You know, obviously they already have a win. They're already in the playoffs, but kind of seems as of late um, Hendrick hasn't been on top like they had been. So maybe he can help turn that five uh, team around a little bit. Maybe so. Um, you know, Kevin Meandering is really, really well respected in the junior motorsports community for sure. And since that's basically the place where Hendrick, you know, goes to get people. I mean, it, it's no secret. Nobody, everybody knows that junior motorsports is a not a subsidiary of Hendrick Motorsports, but junior motorsports is in direct partnership with Rick Hendrick and Hendrick right. Motorsports in terms of developing people you know, uh, al- uh, resource allocation, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, trucks from Sonoma, uh, you know, usually when we see Kyle Busch hop into a truck, you know, we know he's going to win it, you know, but uh, that really hasn't been the case this year, but he gets it done on the road course nonetheless in the truck. Uh, wild ending to that. A lot of trucks got beat up on that. And uh, Josefer had to trade in. Suarez came in and, and drove uh, his truck after I don't know if he did they actually say he broke his foot or what because he I can't heard like an actual deal on that but he did race at Knoxville I heard it wasn't a break and a lot of people take that as good news but anywhere near the ankle uh, if you ask any other sport any contact sport whether they'd rather break something down there or tear up a bunch of ligaments they'll tell you they'd rather break something every time because the healing process is so significantly different. So I don't know. I actually, I thought he was going to drive the whole race. Um, makes kind of sense that if his feet are bothering him, that all that extra work in, with the pedals would be problematic. Yeah, that knee wrecked in uh, qualifying. He was one of the last trucks to qualify, was actually fastest in practice, and uh, he wadded it up coming to the line, uh, and it probably didn't make him feel much better. <laughs> he already hurting, you know. Yeah. Um, moving on to cup, Daniel Suarez finally, finally puts it in victory lane. Uh, what a better place for him to do it. It seemed like, and I'm not knocking Sonoma by any means, but it looked like the only people in the stands were the amigos for him, which, uh, is pretty cool for him to get to do that in front of all those people that were there to support him. Yeah, I I mean it's great. His interview was fantastic. You could uh you could you could feel like you could feel weights just falling off his shoulders of yeah. you know and and shedding the uh the whatever you kind of call it bad juju of uh two two failed marriages that were supposed to be the the <laughs> you know the bee's knees, right? The cat's right. daddy or whatever. And and it just didn't go. And uh, to be able to do that now, especially now, kind of really on his own terms, obviously, uh, Justin's terms and Trackhouse's terms, but very much Suarez's terms like this is 
you know, that was, was the whole goal. We're going to grow this team with Suarez and, and see what happens when we can throw a little bit more resources at it. And, I mean, that's the story of the season right there. Absolutely, and he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's a free agent at the end of the at the end of the season or however that goes, silly season. Uh, but I, I would have to think that after this, after the year he's had, um, I, I would think that he comes back. I would, I would think. I I don't think there's any chance. There, uh, there's I, actually I'll say it. There's no chance that Suarez <laughs> is not driving that car for Trackhouse next year. I'm with you, buddy. Um, Harvick, you wanted to talk a little bit about Harvick. Uh, if he didn't have that bad pit stop at the end, uh, he may have had something for Daniel Suarez. Busher tried. He really did. Busher ran a great race, um, but just didn't have anything for Daniel at the end. And uh, I think Harvick had a really, really good car. He did. He absolutely did. And uh, that's why I thought maybe it was a good time to talk about Harvick. Um, because it, you know, the longer we go on without him winning, uh, the more there's going to be talk about Kenny. Have we seen the last one? You know, I don't want to, I don't wish that on any Harvick fan. I mean, I, I know what that's like going through a, you know, a driver getting towards the end and, Same. but you know, he's, he, he clearly is still fast. Uh, and Stuart Haas clearly is, uh, not, <laughs> <laughs> right. Seems so, like the only person in Stuart Haas that's really done anything all year has been Chase Briscoe. You know, he got the win at Phoenix. Uh, probably could have had some really good second place, I mean, close to you know a photo finish somewhere, and but dive bombed it a couple times. But obviously, he's got to learn his lesson being young. But uh, yeah, Stuart Haas way off the pace, in my opinion. Yeah, and and whatever the the Penske camp picked up, they they didn't seem to pick that up. <laughs> uh, Dinger was in the uh, in the Cup race this week. You know, a lot of people I know probably took him in fantasy leagues and stuff like that. But that dude ran a hell of a race without power steering, like very early on in the race, and. Would have finished top ten had he. I don't know if he, what happened at the end, but he spun out on like the last lap into the into the into the weeds, got it back up, still had a great good finish, barring having spun out on the last lap. But um, how do you run that uh, that many corners and turns and stuff with no power? My arm, I would. I mean, your arms probably felt like they're about to fall off. I I don't understand it because I mean that just that just tells you how much different these people are than us. Right. Um, my understanding is the way they reconfigured the steering for this new car, that it was almost impossible to drive without power assist. So the way, I don't know what he was doing in there, (laughs) but I mean, you know, that's just that, that if, if there's nothing else that says anything about AJ Allmendinger, it's whatever place he finished at at Sonoma, that that's what AJ Allmendinger is. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, Sonoma was the last, um, broadcast race for Fox. Um, what do you think about their, their year, uh, and broadcasting kind of like a review type thing? What do you, what do you think, uh, their, their half of the season was like? Uh, I've been pretty openly critical of all entities that have covered this sport 
on the TV since I started watching. And I, I totally get that uh, on most days, uh, I'm probably in the upper echelon of understanding what's actually happening with the cars and during the race and why this strategy or that strategy, et cetera. So I, I don't necessarily need the filler, but I know why it's there. So it doesn't annoy me. The things that annoy me are the things that Fox continually gets wrong that NBC doesn't seem to get wrong. And then vice versa in some ways too, you look back and go, you know, Fox is, is really, they're almost, uh, it's almost like a social experiment of like what everybody thinks Fox is <laughs> and what everybody thinks NBC is as companies and what their mantras are, and et cetera. Fox is, is kind of like about explosions and wild and crazy stuff, but then they have these cartoons. So <laughs> right. for kids, or is that because you think your audience likes cartoons over the real thing? Like, what is that? Like, who's doing that market research to determine? that's the way to go because in the end the same group you're going to try to get the same group of people to watch the first half of the year as you do the second half and and i'm just i'm just not sold that 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 fox really understands what they're doing beyond mike joy uh you know i think they you know that's why they continually bring back larry mcreynolds even though he's been trying to retire for like a half a decade <laughs> um I mean, because he deserves it. Not you know, yeah, not he's, got he's a, not good. He's he's, de- he's fine, but he's got a lot of stones in the in the fire. He does that, and then Sirius XM, and then Race Hub all the time. Uh, that dude works more than anybody I know. Yeah, and he's a you know he's one of those people that's just like that. That's how a lot of them got there. Is that they just you know idle hands are the devil's work kind of thing. And they just have to stay busy, and, and and that's what makes them go. That's what makes their personality go. It makes their heart go. What keeps them alive and feeling good about all that? Um, I just, I still think. I mean, I love Clint Boyer, but he's kind of a clown sometimes <laughs> in there, you know. And you just, I just don't like if you compare like for like, like what the what the person does uh, for the broadcast, and you know, and and how compare Fox's team to NBC's team, and you look at and you go, okay, Fox has got Mike Joy, okay, winner hands down. I mean, I don't care who NBC puts in in that lead anchor type role. They're not going to beat Mike Joy. Okay. So then we have to go down to where you have Boyer and you have Junior and and you have Larry and you have Latart. Well, no offense to Larry, but I want to listen to Stevie Latart. And no offense to Clint, but I want to listen to Dale Jr. And, and I'm sure there's people that are totally the other way. They want to hear you know, good old Alabama game, Larry McReynolds, you know, talking at him like they hear every day. And, uh, and Clint's just this super excitable, whoop, butterfly, squirrel kind of, you know, <laughs> guy. And, and it's, it's, it's not bad. It's just different. And, and juniors, he's hypercritical of what's happening on the racetrack. Cause that's the kind of, he's an analytical person, despite all of the negative commentary in his past, nobody, you know, it took it took podcasting and all of this social media stuff for people to realize that, you know, Dale Jr. might say he sucked at school, but that doesn't mean he's not an intellectual. Like he's very much an intellectual. And I just choose that over Clint. If it's me, if I'm picking that box, I want Mike Joy and I want Dale Earnhardt Jr. I want Stevie Latart. Yeah, I, I, I agree. This is kind of a weird comment, but you may understand my, my thought process behind this. I feel like the NBC side of it is kind of more professional it's It's way more professional well and 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 let's not belittle 
you know, where Jeff Burton, you know, fits in. And then like, I guess that's, is that Jamie Mack? But it's not always Jamie Mack. Like right. it's kind of like, like revolving the, on that. Yeah. The racer that is like the elder statesman racer, even though junior is absolutely an elder statesman, but you know, Jeff's just got that, you know, he nicknamed the mayor, right. You know, right. there's a reason for that. It's because, you know, he's, he, that's just, that's his, that's his character and him, and that's his personality. And it's just, it is more professional. And it, the broadcast on ESPN was that way when it was Fox ESPN, you know, it, even back when it was uh, Fox and then that little blurb of TNT and yeah. ESPN, it was like, okay, I'm all done with Fox's charades and DW. And then you get, to Kyle Petty and Wally Dallenbach, you're like, what in the trash is this for six races? And then ESPN shows up with Bestwick and the yeah. rest of the, and you're like, okay, this is like a real, and Petrie, and you got a real broadcast here. Speaking you know? of uh, Bestwick, I forgot to even write this down in my notes, but, uh, you know, he's the, he's the, the guy that calls the SRX races, right? Yep. I, they had Connor Daly in there with him. Home run, absolute yeah. home run. I don't know who came up with that, uh, but that's a home run. I, I got to believe the, that's Dale Jr.'s influence somehow, some way, because of Dirty Mo Media and their podcast coming on over and all that stuff. Yeah, Speed Street. Um, I haven't got to listen to it yet, um, but I'm very interested in listening. A lot of IndyCar talk. You know, I'm not huge into IndyCar. Um, but I'm, obviously, I'm, I live closest to the, the mecca of IndyCar, so I, I hear a, a lot about it. But uh, Helio Castroneves wins the SRX race, and him and somebody had some kind of deal worked out. Uh, if he won this race, he wants a NASCAR shot. He wants a shot at the Daytona 500. I, why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. What, what else is there to do for Helio? Right. Sign me up. I want to watch that. I mean, after all of the the storied career and then the horse shittery and then still winning the Indy 500 and the dude is just, I mean, he's got a great, you know, global personality. You know, what better way? I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to ignite, you know, the entire continent of South America by doing, I mean, it's just, this seems like a perfect this seems like the perfect way for Trackhouse to field a third Ooh, car. Ooh, I like that idea. In an oval race. I like I like that idea, you know, because, like, most people would say he's an IndyCar driver. He wouldn't be that good at ovals. He just whipped their ass at uh, Five Flags in that SRX car. He beat Bubba Pollard, who is, like, a master at that track. It's not like he went in there and, you know, some people wrecked it up and he slid in there and won it. He beat him outright. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't get to see the broadcast, but I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I recorded mean, it and I somehow it didn't make it to the DVR box and I DVR the Knoxville race and I got qualifying races and the whole thing of race hub or whatever it was after that didn't even get to, I don't even, I mean, I see who won and I looked it up and watched kind of the, the highlights of it, but uh, my DVR sucks. <laughs> That's still a, a CBS product, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I can probably find it. And uh, the good thing about YouTube TV is you don't always have to get it right on like setting the DVR. 
you know, because it's all digital information anyway. Right. But um, you can usually find stuff. I wonder if they're going to do a YouTube page like NASCAR did where they, they put all the old races up. Uh, I really hope so because I really was uh, looking forward to watching that. That was kind of going to be my Sunday uh, morning, I guess. You know, Father's Day, watching some the Knoxville race and, um, and then the Five Flags with the uh, with the wife cooking breakfast, but that didn't happen. I just had to watch the the uh, <laughs> the heat races, which were still good, still good to watch. I'm not complaining by any means. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. Truck race at Knoxville. Uh, Todd Gilliland, you know, comes down from the Cup Series. First ever start for his dad's truck team, DGR. Uh, and he races, I, I, like I said, I haven't really got to see it. Um, I want to go back and watch watch it. But uh, Todd get, getting it done for old daddy. I didn't realize that's the first time he'd ever started for his dad's team. Yep. I, that actually... I got a little bit more respect for the Gillens now because of that. Um, I, you know, all of the, uh, everything that I saw that came from the trucks race was about how mismanaged the broadcast was nothing. Nobody knew what was going on. Uh, Fox didn't send a team. They broadcasted from headquarters in Charlotte, which that's, uh, I don't know. We're done with, not done with COVID, but, the restrictions aren't there anymore. So if it's not viable to send a broadcast team to the actual event, what, what is it that we're doing? Why are we there? Like, I mean, I, not to say we shouldn't go to Knoxville, just saying if Fox doesn't even think it's worth sending their booth team (laughs) in person, what, what are they trying to tell the rest of us? Right. Well, that's, that was going to be my question to you. You know, this was our second year doing it. Um, I wish I had watched it to see how the track played out and all that stuff. Uh, I know the first year was an absolute shit shit storm, so I don't know. Do you think we go back for year three of that, or do you think they maybe try to take it someplace else? I don't know. That's two shit shows in a row. Because, like I said, the only thing coming out of there was the negative feedback about the broadcast and the fact that there was like three trucks that either rolled or were on their side at some point, And it was never, it never even made it on TV. That's like wild. Stuart Friesen's wife flipped yeah. her truck and kept going and nobody even knew. Wow. Like they didn't even tell the booth that it happened. So they're like talking blind on, you know, watching on TV, just like us. And it's like, okay, so you don't, I don't know. I can get real pissed off about this real fast. <laughs> Well, let's hear it. Go on rant. Let's hear it. Because all what you're doing is you're telling people like me, we don't care whether you watch this or not. Like, well, guess what? If it's not on TV, fucking nobody's watching it. <laughs> right. And I feel like yeah, um, the way, you know, it's it, it's not Knoxville's fault or the truck series' fault that this is on a, a, a cup off week. You know, if, if you're going to take the trucks to a dirt track like you did at Eldora for years, you need to make it a freaking spectacle. Why are we doing it if it's not going to be a big show? You've been there. I went there every single year to Eldora. When you got on the property, it was a fucking show, bud. You're here to see it. Let's do it. You know, you got the, they're bringing in the big block modifieds. They're, you know, you know the, the food's great. I mean, everything from when you walk in there that morning to when you leave there that night, it is a freaking show. 
It, it sure felt like that to me, especially, you know, flying into Fort Wayne, renting a car, driving through cornfields for, I mean, barely an hour. And then boom, there's like this campground just slam full of people. And, yeah. you know, we were at the racetrack, like, I like the tweet up, like Cone did the tweet up. Yeah. And we were there like, I mean, that was like six hours before Green Flag or maybe even earlier than that. We went through the tent, got everybody's mm-hmm. autograph. Yeah. It was so funny seeing all those faces and they're like, oh, <laughs> you again. <laughs> like, yeah, you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> What's even crazier? <laughs> What's even crazier that you just said that um, we were at the same tweet up and had no idea who each other was. That that is fantastic. I mean that <laughs> that should go down as like uh, I mean did I mean I don't Cause, remember cause, seeing you. Did no, did, I don't remember seeing you. Were, like yeah, I don't remember. They would bring like the Eldora uh, showgirls in and throw shirts and stuff out and all that. It was coned and NASCAR Chasm were like the host of it. Yes, yes, I was there. I did it. <laughs> I've done it a bunch. I, I never missed an Eldora truck race. I went every single year they had it. Some yeah, the- we just went the one, but uh, yeah, it was the whole, it was an experience. Yeah. But maybe it was because we knew about Eldora because of Tony Stewart and all that stuff. You know, um, being out of region like that is easy to not understand uh, how important that racetrack is to the area yeah. and, and, and all that. But um, yeah, I don't, it, it, I didn't even know that Knoxville was on the schedule this weekend. <laughs> right? I, you know, That's what I'm I, saying. I, it's a joke. Bring them back to Eldora, please. I beg you on my hands and knees, let the trucks come back to Eldora because I guarantee you they sell it out. It's a spectacle. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about it is it was at in midweek, Wednesday, Thursday night. That's the only thing that sucked because I usually had to take the next day off. Uh, which is no big deal, you know, and I, there was even a couple of years where I came home at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, got up and went to work the next day. You know, it's only like an hour and 15 minutes from my house. It's not that far. I actually almost drove over there last week for the, uh, Eldora million that they were throwing, which I probably should have went, but, uh, that's here or there. You, you'll have that on the big jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh this week we're back to old Nashville. Uh you know, the second year doing it. Um I think it's going to be a, a pretty good th- pretty good show. I I think How do you think these cars are going to race on it? I have no idea. I know that's kind of I, I was thinking. I was like, uh. in terms of surface, the closest thing is Dover. It's not banked as high, but it arguably is faster. I mean, I, I was intrigued by Nashville Super Speedway the first time I heard it described by a guy. The only reason why I ever we even went to Bristol when we went the first time is because of a guy I met somewhere else. And, like, we camped with him and stuff, as these things go. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how that goes. And <laughs> Have we actually was, told that story pre- on here? I don't know. Because some people would may, may not know that. It's pre, you know, that was even, that was 2008 or 2009. That was pre, I hadn't signed up for Twitter yet. So, I mean, you know, Twitter was not really a thing at all. Like it was just, you know, word of mouth. Like I had the guy's cell phone number, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't even, (laughs) I don't know even where I was going with that other than, you know, that's how the first time you went to Nashville. Oh, no, that's right. Sorry. This is what happens to me. 
the brain gets so far ahead of my mouth that I lose <laughs> complete focus. But no, uh, so this guy that we went to Bristol with or met at Bristol was talking about, uh, you know, have you guys ever seen Indy at Nashville? I was like, well, we've never been to Nashville for a race of any kind. And uh, he's like, they had to stop racing there at Indy because under qualifying drivers were almost passing out due to G-force. Like they were qualifying at over 200 miles an hour there. And I was like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) Right. They're like not lifting on a mile and a third trioval. that I'm, I'm in for that at least once. Right. You know, I want to see what that, but you know, obviously that was, it was shortly after that, that they were like, no, we can't do this anymore. It's too dangerous. (laughs) I mean, they literally had drivers that were like nodding off in turn three and four because of the G forces. That's freaking nuts. I didn't know that. Seems like um I saw somebody's tweet on um on IndyCar versus NASCAR kind of thing. Uh I don't remember who it was. I'd have to go back on there and look, but somebody's was talking about NASCAR or IndyCar going to NASCAR tracks and the the tweet was something like uh well, are you afraid that IndyCar is going to show you up or something like that? And I actually clicked like reply and typed it all out, and, and I was just trying to—I was just going to be say, "Hey, you know, LOL, what tracks are you even talking about?" I just wanted—I was curious to what he was even implying, you know. And uh, the tweet was deleted right after I said that. I was like, "Shit!" I was kind of hoping to, you know, go down a rabbit hole with this guy. But uh, is that a thing? Is IndyCar not allowed to race at NASCAR-owned tracks? No, I don't think that is the stipulation. Uh, I don't think it's been outlawed or anything like that. And I don't think there's like some crossover, you know, buffoonery that goes on between IndyCar and NASCAR. I think the issue was Vegas back in 20, what, 11, 2012, uh, the championship race, I guess it was 2011 championship race where, uh, Weldon died. Oh yeah. Um, they were like, yeah, we maybe should not do this. And, you know, and then it wasn't long after that, that the Pocono deal happened, obviously wildly different set of circumstances there. It wasn't a catch fence deal, but I I think Indy just kind of went, okay, I'm not so sure Michigan and, uh, California, Vegas, Texas, or they still do Texas, but you know, I don't, I I think they were kind of saying that, you know, that, that it's not that they're not allowed to race at NASCAR tracks. It's a, it's just too NASCAR much. <laughs> tracks are just too goddamn fast for in, for Indy cars. Right. Which is why. Okay. Let's go into another rabbit hole a little bit. What track would you want to see Indy car on? That's NASCAR esque track. Uh, NASCAR S track that would, to me, get the best out of, of an Indy driver on a NASCAR style track. I don't know. They already race at Richmond. That seems like a good fit for Indy. Oh, they, did they go back? Or my, I mean, I know they used to. I don't know. Oh, I don't. I don't. I'm not really familiar with the IndyCar schedule. The only ones that pop out in my mind that are ovals are the Indy 500. They race in St. Louis and Iowa and Texas, I guess. What about Loudon? I don't think they do Loudon. Loudon might be too much straight away. I don't know. I, you know, I think I would say Darlington, but I think they're going to run into the same problem there is the, that the banking is, is probably enough for an IndyCar to go flat out. 
and oh that's just not that that's going to create more opportunity for danger than it is going to be excitement. Yeah. <laughs> you think they could handle bristle? <laughs> Dude, that would be unreal. <laughs> what if you did like heat races? Because you obviously couldn't fit thirty IndyCar. Well, I guess you probably could. I guess. I yeah. mean, NASCAR I mean, does it. I hadn't heard. I don't know much about running sprints on pavement. Obviously, it is a thing, and yeah. it is a thing. It has been a thing at Bristol. It was kind of like a, let's show up with a World of Outlaws car and see how fast of a lap we can make. <laughs> and somebody made like an eleven point nine, and I was like, "Are you out of your goddamn mind?" Because yeah, <laughs> I mean, cups, cups now getting down into fourteens, the low fourteens. That's boot scooting and, and buggy. And, you, and they're three seconds faster than that. The sprints. It's like, wow, that's what a thousand horsepower really looks like. <laughs> right. I uh, remember when I took you to the uh, little 500 at Anderson with those sprint cars on pavement. Yeah. Those things are like a airplane in a gymnasium. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm in for it. I, I think, I think any car drivers are probably scared to death of Bristol. <laughs> probably. I, I can't really think of nothing really pops off the top to me. Uh, you obviously would never want to take them to like a Daytona Talladega. That's just got bad shit written all over it. It's just the car's not built for that. Right. It just isn't. Um, I, I'm thinking the reason why I mentioned Loudon is because it's so flat that you know you would have to have some braking and some lifting. It's got to be a it's got to be a track that makes you Martinsville maybe except oh, for you can't cool. touch. But you know they they may be two and a half grooves at Martinsville with an Indy car. Yeah, because they're they're a little different. You know, like you know compared to Cup cup races you know i've watched a couple indy car races here lately and it's like one bump from from one another they're like super super upset with one another when they heard of nascar they just ride on each other's door for 400 laps yeah it's a different game definitely you, know. you can't really compare the two they shouldn't it, be compared yeah, right i mean it's like the difference between froth and golf <laughs> like <laughs> some of the rules are real similar but it ain't the same game. Right. No, I'm with you. Uh, something I liked about uh, Nashville for this week, uh, record temps for from now to the weekend. Um, I, I was actually going to send you a picture when I was uh, getting ready to get the show ready. I looked up at the thermostat. My thermostat said 101 for outside. It's 100 here today. Yeah, it's, it's blistering hot, but uh, Nashville are going to allow fans to bring in coolers this weekend, which I know was a big uh, shitstorm last year that they had people throwing absolute fits over there, which uh, uh, why is it a thing? Why don't all tracks just everybody let bring coolers in? Is it an alcohol in certain states kind of thing? I don't know because, you know, for, for a long, long time, that was – the allure of going to a Braves game for at least for my parents, you know, two kids on a budget, you know, we get those tickets for making straight A's or whatever, but we still packed a cooler with all our drinks and all our sandwiches and chips. We didn't buy a damn thing there. And that's what made being able to go to the game happen for us. And I, I just don't understand it, it, at the bare minimum, you got to let people have water and Gatorade or right. something along those lines. If you don't want to let booze because you got some weird, you know, state trafficking law or whatever the hell, I get it not letting booze. What I don't get is not letting people have waters. 
Right. Just check their coolers if it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, and and then you grow up in this NASCAR world of, you know, I never went to a race where I wasn't 21. So, like, that was that was the allure of going to a race when I was 21, 22, 23 years old was, you I mean, we can just bring our own beer into the race? This is fantastic. <laughs> right. And, you know, and they didn't care what you – just no glass. That was the only rule was no glass. You know, and back in those days, sitting in the back stands at Weaver that no longer exist, there was it was never full. So, you – I mean, we had a cooler that had three cases of beer in it <laughs> that we took to the first race that we went to. And, you know – uh <laughs> Thankfully, that's part of a past, but, uh, I mean, that was, that was the allure of, of NASCAR for a long, long time. So I can imagine there's a lot of people like, man, this is, this is not my NASCAR or whatever, you know, everybody's got a hill they're willing to die on for some it's, you know, beverages and food bringing them in. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't think I've ever been to a racetrack, NASCAR, IndyCar, um, even some of our local short tracks that I wasn't able to bring a cooler in. We took coolers of beer into the Thursday night thunder Atlanta motor speedway, the little legends and the go-karts and junk yeah. on the little quarter mile. We took coolers of beer into that. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, uh, <laughs> how did, how did uh, old boy that you, that uh, you guys sponsored there for a while, whatever happened to him, Jordan. Yeah. Um, I, he I got married, sure. he, he got, he graduated from Georgia tech and he got married and I, you know, I imagine he's probably racing. I think his, or maybe I'm confusing him with his sister. I think they were both, I know his sister graduated from tech and she was a racer too. And I think, you know, there was always some more infighting amongst the siblings and which one was actually the better racer. <laughs> you know, Jordan ended up getting most of the attention while we, you know, we snuck in and got involved with it a little bit because, you know, she, she was in college and she just didn't have the time that Jordan did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he was too, but he was, he was work, he was going to college from home, you know, and, uh, and really trying to pursue the racing, but, uh, she was a damn good racer in her own right. We fought, we watched them finish one, two, a couple different times. That's awesome. It, it, I, I, that reminded me the other day, uh, Jocelyn had the shirt on, I was looking at it, I was like, who, what shirt is that? And I'm like, oh, shit, that's, uh, what was his last name? Oh, you know what? I said Jordan Anderson, but I, I you meant Jordan, uh, Jensen Jorgensen. Jensen Jorgensen, yeah. Yeah, he's got that uh, had the PTE name, on yeah. Deal yeah on the, the well, the Jorgensons, are, those are some cool people. Um, you know, they, they were very appreciative of what we were able to do through our Patreon with PETM and and just be involved with them, you know, that was cool. We were always allowed in their garage if we wanted to be. If we could be there, we were allowed in, that sort of thing. That's awesome. So uh, let's make some picks. I got you again. I'm up nine to five on you. I'm getting smashed. <laughs> hey, but if you remember, you were smashing me at first. So This uh, is how it always starts with me. Uh, every up, down, every up, NASCAR down. fantasy thing I've ever done, I start out of the gate whooping everybody's butt. <laughs> I even did that in lap traffic for the first two years that I played and I was, you know, six, seven races in, I, it's like I'd set sail. And then all of a sudden everybody would just walk away, walk themselves back to me and I'd miss a couple weekends. And next thing you know, I'm in dead last. I'm actually doing quite well in lap traffic fantasy. I'm in the top 16 overall. And for the segment, I'm like third. That's pretty good. Not I bad. Not bad. He's got a whole bunch of people playing that deal now. That are very, very, 
very well more educated like they're looking up all kinds of crazy shit before the race i'm just kind of going off the top <laughs> of my head that. You know? i used to do that way back when uh when rusty and i used to play uh, yahoo fantasy like track average yeah we had a whole stuff. group of people we had a buy-in and there was like 10 or 12 people playing people's dads and co-workers and whoever wanted to play you know it was not it was not really that sick you know it wasn't one of those crazy uh you know uh, what is that? What's the football one called? <laughs> why, why? Like fantasy, well, fantasy football, but oh. you know, it's like, like you, can yourselves, and stuff? you can get yourselves mixed up with somebody who started way back in the day when Miller Lite originally published the rules of fantasy football, like in 1991. Right. And like, so they still have all these crazy rules written in the bylaws that like net don't exist anymore. And the next thing you know, you think you, you think you've won the Super Bowl, but like you're still a hundred dollars in debt because you've, made too many trades or something I, you know, it, <laughs> right. I, right then and there i was like i finished second and i owe money i'm done i'm this is not this is not for me i got you um <laughs> so uh who are you taking this week chase elliott chase elliott homering out this week mm-hmm. um i'm gonna make what i think is a safe pick i hope it's a safe pick i'm gonna go kyle larson this week Ooh, all right I haven't used him, I don't believe, yet. Maybe. Oh, well, I, I, I wish we'd have written that down. Maybe. I may have used him once, maybe. Maybe when playoff time, we'll have to go to some kind of you can only use him once thing or something. All right, I'm down for that. I mean, I, I would have been up for that all along if we were doing points versus wins or whatever, you know what right. I mean? Straight head-to-head. If we'd have been doing total points, I would have said, yeah, let's definitely, you can only pick each driver once for well, some period of time. Next year we'll have to do that for sure right off the bat. Keep yeah, track track of it. Maybe maybe even do points next year and see how that how how each other pans out on that because you know head to head's a little different. Somebody just wins. You know, say at Talladega, I pick somebody that wrecks out on the first lap. I get zero and you score you know fifty points or something. You know, you can go up pretty quickly on that sort of thing. Right, or you get two stage wins and that's better than me finishing fifth. <laughs> right, and you can finish twentieth. Right. So that adds an element of fun to it. Definitely. Maybe um, we could get some other podcast hosts and have a podcast host fantasy league. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> I, li- I like that. Um, NASCAR, this week in NASCAR history, um, June 15th, 1969, Cale Yarbrough wins the inaugural race at Michigan International Speedway. I my only surprise here is that they didn't build that track until '68 or whatever. Right. No, I'm with you. I, I figured it went further further back than that. It's, I mean, ten years newer than or yeah, ten years newer than Atlanta Motor Speedway. Hey. Um, June twentieth, nineteen eighty-seven. Uh, Tim Richmond wins his final race uh, at Riverside. I fell in love with Tim Richmond, like just the character, right. uh, just learning all the, that what, how much of his character played a role in the creation of days of thunder. And, and then that they've did the ESPN 60 for 60 or whatever, the 30, 30 for 30, 30 on them. Yeah. I've watched that at least 10 times. I can't I get enough of it, even though there's no new information. I mean, we all know the things that we know now, but, 
you know, that aside, his lifestyle aside, the dude, I mean, absolutely the kind of guy that just gets in anything and it goes fast. Right. Like, how can you not just love that kind of, you know, that kind of creature, if you will, in NASCAR? Because even if you hate that guy, right? you know, may, that's your Kyle Busch, your Denny Hamlin, or your Dale Earnhardt, or your Jeff Gordon, you know, your Bobby Allison to Kale or DW, you know, the people that do interesting things with race cars is what makes race cars interesting. Absolutely. You know, he kind of had that showmanship. Uh, I'm going to even say kind of like uh, Jeff Gordon-esque before Jeff Gordon was around, you know, come in big sunglasses looking like he's in a GQ magazine, you know, against all these good old boys. You know what I mean? He's in there and he, I, I don't know why, why this sticks out in my mind, but that 30 for 30, I can remember him like on one of them big Baja boats out in the ocean or lake or wherever the hell they were at looking like Miami vice and shit, you know, just like boom, boom, boom. And he's got the big shades on with like Hooters playgirls in the back and stuff. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they say that Gordon came along and got him on Saturday Night Live and bought everybody an airplane. Well, Tim Richmond made, you know, Tim Richmond brought NASCAR to Wall Street, right? Because he had the penthouse in New York City, he had the boat and wherever in the hell that was at. You know, <laughs> right. you know, he just he was a playboy who just happened to make race cars go really fast and. <laughs> You know, you need, you have to have, if you look back in history of every facet of life, sports doesn't matter what religion, politics, there's, there's a wild duck out there that, that sort of makes it all go or makes it change in a, in a way that, that redefines what that, what that space is. And Richmond redefined what being a NASCAR driver could be. I don't know why, but you know, when you talk about him too, that, that famous picture always comes into mind with this little, uh, hidden trick there behind the bonnet. (laughs) (laughs) And he was an absolute cut up too. That was the thing, you know, it's like they, for people who don't know who Tim Richmond was, there's plenty out there to consume if you want to learn about him. But the thing about Richmond that, uh, that that will stick to me forever will be i think it was tim brewer was was richmond's crew chief on the 27 and after a couple laps at riverside or somewhere like that uh earnhardt went to brewer and said you better strap everything on real tight because that man y'all got's driving the hell out of it <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome um uh, rednecking i know you got uh, what is a chicken update or uh, a rooster update? <laughs> we got the biggest goddamn rooster I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's awesome. a dinosaur, man. <laughs> the talons on this thing, it's like we were scared of it. <laughs> like, how are we getting this thing in out of the cage that we transported it in into, you know, our coop? And he's all by himself in a room that's supposed to be big enough for four birds. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't, he's not super loud. Uh, except for when he tries to roost because he's too damn big for the thing. But it, I mean, he's, he's next to eight pullets, or I guess they, some of them are actually roosters. Pullets means hens only, but right. they're like uh, adolescents. They're not laying. Uh, they're probably still a couple of months from that. 
but they're they're almost as big as a full size chicken. They just haven't fluffed out, you know, and their their uh, combs aren't fully developed. But they look like quail next to this rooster. <laughs> That's awesome. Like it's that big. Like the thing is damn near to my waist, like from the ground. Dang. It's huge. I and. And we got another one that's almost as big, and apparently we're getting another one that's as big. I, I don't <laughs> chicken explosion <laughs> over there. Or what? From two chi- chicken math is what Kristen calls it. We went from two chickens after the fox devastation uh, <laughs> to we now have thirty-five with oh. more on the way. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and, and you said something about some kittens. Oh yeah, yeah. We started talking months ago about a puppy or and, and kitten. I said, you know, if we had a cat, we wouldn't have any varmints or snakes or nothing around the house. And she said, well, I like cats. I said, we know I like cats. I grew up with cats. And then a friend of hers, actually, I mean, not really a friend of mine so much as I knew who she was because we went to grade school together. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've, I've got a litter and we're looking to, we're looking to get rid of us, you know? And I said, Kristen, if, if she's got a boy, let's let's get him and uh she had two and i said well i can draw upon the experience of my parents who are uh cat fosterers uh and they you know the company they work with place these uh cats up in new york of all of all places or in new england area but mostly new york um because cats don't do well outside in those kind of climates you know Right. So there's aren't there aren't just barn cats everywhere like we have in the south, <laughs> no. you know. And um, but anyway, they they either want uh, they want siblings, and 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 best case scenario is two boys. And so she had two boys. I said, get them both. I promise you, it's not it's not chicken math and it's not twins math. It's just two cats is actually better than one when they're from the same litter and they're boys. And so far it's been a, it's been a smash hit. <laughs> That's awesome. And my uh, parents are jealous as hell. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get quite a kick out of this uh, redneck story. Cause it's absolutely redneck. Um, was that work? Um, and Jocelyn texted me and said, um, there's birds in our garage. How did birds get in our garage? I'm like, I don't know. I must've shut them in there last night when I shut the door. So I come home from work, you know, I push the button on the little remote and it comes up and there's like five sparrows in my garage. Don't even know how they get in there. I'm trying to shoo them with the broom, trying to get them out of there. So they quit pooping on the floor that I got nice and clean in there, you know, Uh and uh, (laughs) they just won't fly out the door. They won't do it. They're just, they want to hit everything in my garage except for the way out. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got an ad- I got a story to add to that. <laughs> so, uh, old Brett got the old baseball bat out and swung away, and I got rid of all five of them. The T ball bat. Well, it's on it's on the internet now, or will be here in a little bit. But. <laughs> hey, they were making a mess. I had to well, get rid of them. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's your garage, man. You do it how you do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, right? When you're, you know, when you're out and that's my space. You can't make your, my space uh, yeah. all dirty. Well, we've got, we've got a nesting pair of what uh, a little small, medium, I guess a medium-sized bird, a yard, you know, a wild bird that's had babies like inside our little front porch area, which has been fun to watch them 
get big. They're about probably about to learn how to fly. But the story to add to your little sparrow problem in the garage <laughs> is I'm like trying to whoop up the fastest batch of burgers, you know, afternoon, late afternoon, Father's Day meal. And and I was there by myself for a little bit. And Kristen comes in with all the kids and in comes a bird because we hadn't quite got it totally sorted out how often the door needs to be shut when you use it. And that's every time, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so the bird goes flying into the little kitchenette area where the breakfast table is. And they're all freaked out. There's a bird in the house. Oh my God. I'm like, the more you scream, the harder this problem is going to be to solve. <laughs> all right. I said, open the back door and open the door to the garage, which is where he came in. And he's right next to the back door. And, and let me just do this my way. And so I went and got a towel and we kind of pushed him into the dining room area. And I just threw a towel on it, wrapped it up, threw him outside. I wish mine would have been that calm, but mine would And they're all looking at me like I just committed some act of sorcery. And I'm like, no, this is just not the first time I've solved this problem. Because like I said, (laughs) I grew up with cats. Birds in the house is a thing that happens sometimes. Right. You know, like those globe things at like the circus where like the people ride like the motorcycles all in the little globe. Oh, yeah. The, That's what the, I felt like. With, or whatever. Yeah. I, with all these birds flying around my garage. <laughs> I'm like trying to shoot. Yeah, they're all freaked out because they don't know where to go. Right. Yeah. I, there's something about a garage that it like for whatever reason doesn't look like the way out, even though it's a yeah, giant like, door. Yeah. <laughs> see the sun and everything get out of here boys but they didn't they didn't want to listen uh other rednecking sort of uh this past weekend i went to um a figure eight race on the east side of indianapolis it's a famous <laughs> figure eight track uh awesome i loved it 150 150 lap figure eight race awesome show awesome 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 show them things are absolute rocket ships man well there's been a few times when I have described what I watched at a NASCAR race as why didn't we just have a figure eight race instead? At least we would have known what was going to happen. You know, like you're prepared for it. You watch a chain race, you know, some wild shit's going down. You watch a RV race or a school bus race, you know, some wild shit's going down. Oh yeah. If you show up looking for a professional race and you see what looks like a figure eight, then you're like, what the hell? But if you show up to a figure eight race and you get to see a figure eight race, yeah, it's a pretty damn interesting spectacle. Absolutely. This, this particular track holds big races throughout the the summer and early fall. Um, there's people that come from California and Florida and all over the place just to race these late model figure eight cars, man. It's pretty wild. Yeah, well, and then this speaks to, you know, there's going to be some some new to NASCAR fans, age regardless, and there's going to be some old fans that remember and then, you know, obviously brand new fans that don't have any idea what speed or speed TV was. Mm-hmm. But when speed needed to fill content on a Friday or Saturday night, they always had that kind of stuff. Chain races, figure eights, tractor pulls, anything related to rednecking with a race car or a <laughs> <Right>. tractor. <laughs> and we just don't there's no outlet for that anymore. I think uh, Mav TV they have quite a bit of stuff on there. I think yeah, and they should not be belittled because they're they're probably on the verge of getting picked up by one of these bigger subscriber networks I hope because they, they are. do they do offer a lot of that content and then 
I think they do, you know, super light model series and the Southern super series and some, some of that, some of that stuff um, is what shows up in Mav TV, you know, like Matt Weaver has long been, been a proponent, but all those, all of that up and coming journalist crowd, they're all, <laughs> excuse me, very familiar with, uh, with what Mav TV's offerings are, because that's the stuff that used to be on speed. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't get that channel, which sucks. Uh, I get to watch Mav TV once a year, and that's because they somehow get the rights to uh, broadcasting <laughs> the Chili Bowl. The Chili final. Bowl, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that's – to me, that event is so big that it's – I'm surprised that it's still subscriber-only internet. I know, but they stream it, like, um, on their channel, um, the big race, the main – the A main, and then um, they were, they actually stream it for free on their Facebook, which I don't have. I don't have Facebook, but uh, you know, you hop on there, you know, Saturday night Chili Bowl A main, and they're streaming it for free on their Facebook, which is awesome. You know, I always grab my wife's phone and plug it into my TV so I can watch it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember the days of watching stuff like that on Periscope. Yeah, absolutely. I, we used to do Periscope, the original video. For PETM was not YouTube Live, or you know, using YouTube as a live function. Right. It was we would just set up one of our phones on a tripod, you know, wide angle, and just do it on Periscope. So with this outlet that I use for us doing this podcast right now, I know nobody can see us, but we can see each other. Um, I'm actually able to go live on whatever instagram a youtube a facebook i don't know if periscope's even a thing anymore but twitter live uh we should probably do a live show at some point and see how it works out people could ask us questions and i can put it on the screen for for us to see and read yeah so that's what we did um right you're right that, we used that cue to ad lib to the show right no that was awesome i loved it i, I, I had you guys on <laughs> notifications every time it popped up i was like oh here we go you know sit sit around and watch you guys and interact with everybody on there beast and uh mick and brandon and everybody was on there it seemed like yeah yeah we had a good little crowd absolutely hopefully some of them are listening to us right now hopefully (laughs) (laughs) one can hope right you know i mean we're still still in our infancy oh absolutely and we didn't get to do a um race going into father's day weekend or a show but happy late father's day to all the fathers out there i know i had a i had a good one which uh i get screwed every so often my birthday falls on father's day so my birthday was sunday with father's day so i was uh having some beverages cooking on the grill and i ended up in the neighbor's pool watching the college world series in the pool he had the tv out on the deck and we were watching it from the pool that is awesome. I got a story about that too. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, for sure. Happy father's day and happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, happy father's day to everyone. Uh, this was the first, my first experience ever being celebrated that way. Not, not, I mean, it wasn't over the top, but it was like 
I, I struggled to put it into words. Uh, you know, I, right. I was like, I, you know, I just kind of, I kept passing the buck and be like, well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even have this opportunity if it weren't for Kristen and I wouldn't be any good at it if it weren't for Kristen. So I'm like, you know, this is the credit really goes to you. And, and of course you, it's like, no, this is, you, you do things that, that only dads can do, you know? Right. And I'm like, well, that's, that's an interesting way of putting it. It's very humbling is what it is. And, oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, if I can be that for somebody, I'm, I'm up for it. Yeah. I woke up to Emmett bringing me my, uh, my present in bed and I got a new Kyle Larson hat and a Ross Chastain track house t-shirt. That's awesome. I know. I'm like, way to, way to spread the, spread the wealth around there. Get all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I bought my dad a gag gift because we go to the thrift store so much. I just happened to see a Clemson coffee mug and he's not much of a coffee drinker, but I thought it was funny. So I got him that and like a little sleeve of Clemson balls. And, and they're not the balls you go play with. Not as right. he plays twice a week, sometimes three, you know, but, but he said, Oh, I know what I'll do with this. He's like, before we have group play every, whatever day he has his buddies that all go together. They to decide who's going to play with who or who's going to ride with who or whatever he walks. So I guess it's just, who's going to play with who, uh, they select balls out of like a blind bag, you know, and now mm-hmm. his is going to have Clemson paw on it, which is, that's, that's cool. cool. That's yeah. cool for me. Uh, he thought it was cool. So whatever that works. Absolutely. Happy Father's day, dad. <laughs> yeah. Happy father's day to everybody out there. Um, since we didn't get to discuss it last week prior to father's day, but, uh, that's episode 19. That's uh, another one in the books, like we, like you said a second ago. Still in infancy stage. You know, we're, we're going to evolve a lot as a show. You know, we'll probably get to those live shows before too long. Well, not before too long. Eventually, we're going to have those type of things, guests on, that you people that you'll know, all the stuff like that. We're, uh, we're definitely get, been putting a lot more work in, into our show, and hopefully it's paying off and you guys are enjoying it. Yeah, I I don't even know how we would do it because who knows who would ever have the time. But uh, speaking of doing stuff live, uh, it would be it would be fun to do like a live broadcast where we we don't talk about racing. We watch Dazed and Confused so people can understand the references, (laughs) the reason for the title of the show (laughs) and and sort of where we're at with that. I'm I'm ready to get that that mixer and and to work work in that uh, 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 Michael Caine scene. <laughs> I just wanted that. you to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. uh, I I will not live until uh, truly live until we can get that clip from uh, from Lonesome Dove on there. <laughs> but yeah. there's a famous scene, but it clipped out the 15 seconds that matter, and I've posted it a couple different times. I know I've sent it to you. It's yeah. but. You know, Augustus McRae, the the ever uh, uh, philosopher, <laughs> is trying to convince Call that they got to do something, and uh, and all Call thinks about is things in finality terms, right? There's a life, and then there's death, and that not you know, and then we just get there, and then it's done, or whatever. And Gus is like, "By God, Woodrow, you just don't get the point. It's not <laughs> dying. I'm talking about it's living." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I seen that you've been putting uh when you put the tweets out and stuff hashtag wood screws explain to that explain everybody what exactly they're the wood screws the so 
that's I just started ahead of time because understanding a little bit how Twitter marketing can work or hashtags can work. But so if you hear the clip at the beginning of the show, that is cut. That's an excerpt cut from Dazed and Confused. Well, they're all racing to a party and Wooderson, your character, pulls <laughs> right. up to uh, Benny, who everybody knows now as Yellowstone's strongman, Rip. Yep. Rip. Uh, but Cole Hauser is has got an old, uh, just a sweet like '72 Silverado or Clydesdale or whatever. And he's like, "Hey, Betty, you better have your wood screws tight because I'm gonna blow your doors completely off." <laughs> so wood screws tight and blow your doors off. That's where it comes from, right there in right. a 15 second clip from Dazed and Confused. That's awesome. But you, you were basically saying that our our fans and the people who are listening are are our wood screws. Right, exactly. Our crowd are the our posse. That's what we used to call them. <laughs> right, Pete. Yeah, but our our group, our groupies, <laughs> our hashtag wood screws, holding yep. it together, baby. We'll have to get a t-shirt made one of these days with a couple wood screws on there. Oh, I guarantee we could come up with something <laughs> simple, like a single single color screen print that would be pretty pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. But um, tell tell everybody where they can find us at on the old social media. Oh, yeah. Twitter is uh, at BTDO Podcast. Instagram is Blowing the Doors Off. And then me, uh, at Pregame Engineer on Twitter and at Andrew L. Sherwin on Instagram. And I'm on TikTok, too. Uh, awesome. Andrew L. Sherwin over there. I have to check that out. Um, you can find me on um, Twitter at bwayne8589. And uh, for anybody listening, hey, go in, uh, go into wherever it is that you're listening to us. Uh, rate, review, give us a thumbs up, comment. Uh, the more uh, rates and reviews we get, the better it's going to go for, for the whole shebang. But you guys have a good rest of your week. Enjoy Nashville. And yee. Share us with your friends. Skew! <laughs>